Hi, this is Christopher Framberg and I'm one of the pastors in SOS Church Stockholm. We are an international Pentecostal church on Kungsholmen with celebrations in both English and Swedish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations that are living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. And I'm going to start with, um, with just telling you a story from my childhood. Yeah, as you see the title for this message will be the Stockholm Syndrome. The Stockholm Syndrome. And you, you might wonder where are you going with that? You'll find out. I don't, I don't really know, but we will see. We are going somewhere at least. Um, when, when I was growing up, I grew up in south of Sweden in a place, beautiful place called Småland. Uh, in the midst of the forest, my closest neighbors are the cows. So it's a very, very small place. Uh, and and you, you cannot do so much when you're growing up. You know, it's, it's not so many activities going on. So everyone is playing football. Everyone is playing football and I was playing football. Uh, when I was 18 years old, my, me and my, my friends, we bought a, I, I think you call it caravan. Uh, we bought a caravan. Some people are nodding, so I, I guess it's right. A caravan, is, it's something you, you take behind the car and you can drive and you can be out camping in different places. How many have been, <laughs> is caravan the right word? Yes, okay. Uh, how many have been living in a caravan? I mean, that's, that's a beautiful way to, to have a vacation, living out in a caravan somewhere. Uh, so me and my friends, I was 18 years old. I mean, my six, six of my friends, we bought a caravan together. And we had planned to renovating it and renovating it and making it really, really nice. And then we're going to camp together that summer, just drive around and, and, and have a fun summer together. Uh, so my friend brought it to, to our football football training, and then after training, I should bring it. Uh, um, I, I I should bring it home, and before that, we were going to watch some Champions League that night. Okay. So after training, I'm done. I'm going out. I'm putting the caravan behind the car, and as I'm doing that, my coach is coming, interrupting, and 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 we have a conversation about something. Then I jump into the car and I start to drive, and and there is some. 300 meters or something before you take turn before you take turn um, before you have to turn left. So I'm driving 300 meters. I'm driving a little bit quick because I want to go and watch this game. And then I turn left, but the caravan goes straight, <laughs> right into a fence. I just see it in the back mirror. I just see how it continues into a metallic fence, and and I'm like. What is happening? I'm jumping out the car. I can see how there is a big hole in the side of the caravan. And now my whole football team is coming. Driving from the workout. Like, what are you doing? What happened? I'm like, no problem. It's just like, it's, we're just fixing some things here. And I have some of them jumping out and helping me. Just removing it because it's stuck in that fence. And putting it behind the car again. And you just feel like the biggest loser that there is. And we are driving to this game, and, and that game wasn't so fun. You know, I'm sitting there. I know I've been destroying the caravan. I'm thinking, you know, my friends are there. They're not so happy because we've been buying it together. And I'm thinking, will I need to pay all of it or not? Or what, like, what's the deal here? Are we failing together or not? <laughs> we don't speak about it. We're watching the game and we're losing. Not a fun night. 
I'm driving home, it's 11 o'clock, it's school the day after, and as I'm driving home, in the middle of the forest, I get a flat tire on the car. <sighs> you know, it's not, it's not the best of night. Flat tire, the caravan is broken, and I'm calling my dad and waking him up. He should go up super early the day after, but I'm waking him up, and he's coming out, helping me like a saving angel. Not so happy, but still like an angel. He's, come, he's coming, helping me. We're driving it home. And, 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 and I'm just so happy to have someone to call when I'm in need. I'm so happy to be able to have, have someone that cares enough to wake up in the night and go and help me change the tire and, 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 and be able to drive home. And, and I think all of us need someone to call at times. We will all go through different, different seasons. We will all go through different, different problems and face, face different challenges. And all of us need someone to call. And it's wonderful to have someone to call. And it's wonderful to be that someone at times that is coming and helping someone. In Proverbs in the Old Testament, it is written in, in chapter 17 and verse 17. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Okay, a brother is born in help, uh, to help in time of need. We all need a brother or a sister, uh, someone that can help us in the time of need. It is something we will all, you know, because all of us find ourselves sometimes knocked down in a situation when we'll not be able to get up by ourselves. No matter how strong you are and how strong you feel today. I feel very strong today. And, and, and it feels, <laughs> you know, sometimes you feel very strong. And you feel like, ah, I'm never in that situation. But just think back last time you had a flu. <laughs> you're laying back home and, and you're, you're so weak. You feel so sorry for yourself. It's just, it's just what is needed. A flu, that's it for guys, huh? So, so remember that sometimes you need someone to call. All of us are knocked out at times. Okay, I'm going to, to preach out of a parable today that is maybe the most famous parable that Jesus is ever t telling in the New Testament. Parable or a story that Jesus is telling and is telling many stories. But I'm not going to tell you that yet. Because then you will think, ah, I know this if you've been going to church for a while. I know where he is going. But you don't. So I don't telling you what kind of parable we just start. Okay. Uh, I'm going to Luke 10 and 25. And if you have a Bible or a phone, you might want to go there. Otherwise, look on our big screen and read. One day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus. Stood up to test Jesus. It can't end well, I tell you. By asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? An expert in religion. Have you ever met an expert in a religious law? You know, when you've been going to church for a while, you will meet some people that is really experts. They know the Christian, they know how to behave and how to dress. They know how to speak. There is some that is really experts in religious law. This man was expert in the Old Testament. He know all the laws by heart. And since he was a kid, he'd been trying his best to keep all the different laws. He's an expert in the law. 
And, and the Bible tells us that, that no one can keep the whole law. Everyone has failed, even if you're an expert in, in religious law. Those experts were, were often called the Pharisees or the Sadducees. And if you haven't met any one of them, you can meet my wife after church. I tell you, if someone could really keep the whole law, it is my wife. She is so good in keeping the law. Just for example, just, just one example. She can almost keep the whole law while driving. Before she didn't have a driving license and she got a driving license. And every time I'm driving, she finds fault. She's the kind of person that rather drive 30 minutes extra because she don't want to cross, cross a whole, whatever you call it. You know, the line when it's white, just right. She don't want to cross it if she's, she's about to miss a road. So she rather drive half an hour extra to come back because she is so good in keeping the law. I think that there is always place to improvise a little bit and, you know, like find a good solution with the law. But she's really good in detail. Like she loves law. Uh, I, I don't know why I'm speaking about that, but, but if this guy, he can keep the law. He's really, really good. Maybe he's failing in something, but then there is something small because he go, he's good at law. Okay, let's continue before I get problem. Uh, 26. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, you know, he'd been learning this. <laughs> he had memorized this law and Jesus says, right, you are right. You can quote the law. Uh, you can quote the law, but then Jesus tells him, do this and you will live. There is one thing to know and there is something else to do. You can know, know what is right, but the problem is not always knowing, but it is actually doing. There is a lot of things you know what is right, right thing to eat. All of us can probably write down what is right to eat, but to actually eat right, that is hard. There is a lot of things that is hard to do right. Jesus tells him, do what you know is right and you will live. The man went, uh, wanted to justify his action. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So he wants to justify his action. He's probably convicted in his heart knowing that, okay, I know the right thing. The problem is not that I didn't know who is my neighbor. The problem is that I know it, but I have not really done it. That is the challenge, to do what is right. And when I read this, I started to think about another story that Jesus is telling, or a teaching that Jesus is, is, is telling. Are, are you with me? Because this man, an expert in the religious law, that have spent all his life to live right in front of God, because he wants to one day meet with God. That has been his longing all his life. He has done everything he can to one day be able to come to heaven and meet with God. Now God is standing in front of him, but you cannot see him. Because he's so self-centered. He is so focused on doing the right thing and living right. So sometimes we can't see God because we are so busy looking to ourselves. And I think this is true with you and me too. Because in Matthew 25, chapter 25, it's written that one day we will all stand in front of the throne of God after this life. And then everyone that have received Jesus as the Lord and Savior are going to step into heaven.
And when we are stepping into heaven, it's written that Jesus will say to those that are stepping into heaven that, that I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And when I was in prison, you came to visit me. But the righteous or those that are saved will then reply, when did we ever see you, Jesus, hungry and gave you something to eat or thirsty and give you something to drink and so on and so on. And then Jesus answers and says that, Whenever you did this for some of the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. So when we are doing something for those that, that are small in the eyes of the world, we are actually serving Jesus. We're actually serving God. And, and this makes me think, how many times have I missed seeing God because I'm so focused on myself? How many times have I been walking by God because he was sitting like a beggar on the street? How many times have I been walking past God because he was sitting like a woman crying on the, on, on, on the subway? How many times have I been walking by, by God or turned my, my back towards God because it was like God came like the neighbor's kid? <laughs> That is too annoying. Not my neighbor. If my neighbor is listening to this as a podcast later on, I tell you, not my neighbor, but someone else's neighbor's kid. And, and, and you're turning your back towards, towards that kid uh, that is actually hurt and is actually God you would serve if you would care. And I think that all of us, when we are honest with ourselves, been missing serving God because we are too busy with ourselves and with our own life. Now Jesus tells this parable and this is the parable about the good Samaritan. Okay, that's the parable. And we read from verse 30. Are you with me? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him, uh, stripped him of his clothes and beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man laying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked, up, uh, looked at him laying there. But he also passed on the other side, okay? So first comes a priest. Let's say that there is a pastor. Because we have pastor in this church. Let's say that there is a pastor from SOS Church coming, seeing this beaten down. Let's say that there is... Yeah, let's say that it is me because I'm a humble man. I know that I've done wrong things. So let's, let's say, let's say I'm so humble. I'm so humble. So I, let's say it's me. I'm, I'm, I'm this priest. Okay, I'm the pastor. And, and, and the other guy, the Levite, you know, Levites are someone serving in the temple. Let's say it's Jonathan that was up here. Okay, so it's actually me and Jonathan. We're going to church. Okay, uh, and then let me see where we are. Passed over to the other side. Okay. And then a despised Samaritan came along and he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And the Samaritans, they are a mixed people that is living in the midst of Israel. They are mixed between Jewish people and Assyrian people. And they've been mixed for a couple of hundred years. And, and they are mixed religion. They're worshiping different gods. And they are a people that is considered as unclean for the Jewish people. So they are looking down at them. They are despising them. And I know that there is a lot of different people groups in Stockholm that is despised in many people's eyes. 
And, 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 but, but it's hard to find one group that is especially despised because it's like everyone. But from different, different people. When I was working with, with some Arabic people, they were despising some groups. When you work with some Swedish people, they're despising some other groups. And, Af you know, like different groups. But let's say, just take an example, there is someone, there is a beggar sitting on the street. And many people feel, why can't you do something? If you're in good health, why can't you find work why can't you do something and help yourself let's say it's a beggar so here comes this despised beggar and he's going over to him the Samaritan smothered his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged him then he then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him verse 35 the next day he handed to the innkeeper two silver coins telling him take care of this man if the bill runs higher than this i will pay it the next time i'm here now which of these would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits jesus asked the man replied the one who showed him mercy then jesus said yes now and go uh, now go and do the same so this is now the story. It is me, a pastor. It is Jonathan, the Levite here in the church. <laughs> and it is this beggar. We are all on our way to the church. We're all on the way to a praying night that we have on Fridays at time. And I'm coming with a train from, from uh, Tullinge. And I'm going off on the T-Central. And, and here I see this this drunk teenager that is too drunk that is almost passed out and and i can see she really needs some help she really needs some help but i know that i'm i'm i need to finish up my powerpoint before the prayer starts so i take i i'm walking past her i'm walking around her i i don't want to help and i'm thinking maybe someone else is going to help now the next train, Jonathan is also coming from Tullingham and he's a little bit later because he's, he, he's often a little bit later. So, so now he comes, he don't have no PowerPoint to prepare but he's ru almost running late so he's also walking around because he don't want to come late to the meeting. And now comes this beggar that sees this, this girl and, 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 and has compassion with her. And he is helping her up and taking her to, to the hospital and they are helping out, calling her parents. And, and he's, he's just making sure that she's safe, that she has helped, that she receives the need that is helped, uh, the help that is needed. Uh, I think we all can sometimes be too focused on ourselves. Sometimes we're even so focused on trying to serve God that we miss what, what is most important for God and that we miss God when he's coming in another form and uh, this story with this story Jesus is basically telling we need to care for other people we need to have compassion on other people it is not what kind of race you come from it is not what kind of nation or what kind of title you have no what are you doing for others do you have mercy on other people or are you so self-centered trying to serve God, trying to keep the whole law, trying to do everything right but you miss having compassion on other people. And this Samaritan is doing something that I think is, okay let's, let's see this, is helping. He's putting olive oil and wine in the wounds and, and oil and wine in the, in the New Testament represent the Holy Spirit. 
How can we help someone that is beaten down with open wounds? I think we need to bring them into the presence of God. There is nothing that can heal wounds as much as the presence of God, as the Word of God, as meeting with Jesus and His love and His forgiveness. There is nothing like that. So we need to lead people into the presence of God. When we have church like this, I mean, we, we, we try to buy big screens and do different things. But it's all for one purpose, to fo put focus on Jesus, to help people into the presence of God. And when they meet with the presence of God, that is changing everything. That is the thing that is mostly needed. So when we are helping people, we need the presence of God. And then he took him to an inn. He helped him up, up on his own donkey and helped him to an inn. So it speaks about he took, he changed his plan. He was on his way traveling somewhere, but he changed his plan. Maybe for a day, he was, took his own car. He was driving her by himself, helping him to the inn and to care. He took his time. We need people that is taking time for other people. That is changing our plans because of someone else. And then number three, paid for him was generous, opened up the wallet and said, oh, I, I'm going to pay for this. You really need help. There is a quote that I love uh, from Margaret Thatcher. And no one would remember the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. He had money as well. Okay, he also had money to help that someone. I think that in a church, in a gathering like this, we have different gifts. Someone is really anointed to pray for sick. To lead people into the presence of God. Some have really a gift of caring for people. Have you noticed that? There is some people when you're around them you just feel like you feel so cared for. You feel, feel so much love. Because some people really have a gift for that. And some people have a gift for finances. And they can be, be generous and, and help in that way. All of us need to help in all three ways. But we have different strengths. And I think that when we are together as a church... Uh, showing mercy in this city, we can make a big impact. Are you with me on that? Okay, so we can help people in these three different ways. Um, but the question is, what is the robber in this city? How often do you see someone beaten down with open wounds when you're walking the streets? It's not often. It's not often. But what are the robbers in Stockholm? What is, what, what, who is it that is destroying people's life in Stockholm? When I've been praying over this and speaking with some people and reading, and my conclusion is that one of the big robbers in this city, it is isolation and loneliness. Isolation and loneliness, uh, I believe, is, is one of the biggest robbers in the city. And it creates a lot of different scars, sometimes addiction. It can be alcohol or drugs or porn or, or, or whatever kind of addiction you're struggling with. It can often come from loneliness because you are, don't feel love, you don't feel secure. And, and that can be a scar, but it actually comes from something else. Maybe it is that loneliness and maybe loneliness doesn't mean that, that you have no people around you. Maybe you have a lot of people around you, but you have no one that you're opening up your heart for. You have no one that you can share life with and be honest with. And then you can be lonely even though you have a lot of people around you. Depression can come, but depression is sometimes just an open wound that is coming from isolation. 
and loneliness, self-centeredness, egoism, and so on. There is a lot of different things that is coming from isolation and loneliness, suicidal thoughts. What does that come from? It, it, it can often come when you are in a lonely place, when you're living a life that no one else knows about, when you have a lot of secret, when you have a lot of things that you are ashamed of, then a lot of thoughts can come that you don't want there. But the problem is actually the, the isolation. The problem is, is the loneliness. And when you just look on Stockholm, there is a mix of people from all around the world with, with so many different cultures. And when you travel the world, you will find people speaking with one another. You will find people interacting with one another. Even Swedes going to other places will speak with one another. If you're going to other cities, you will see it's another climate. Actually, you go to other cities in Sweden, people are speaking more with one another. But in Stockholm, there is a big problem. And I think that one of the big robbers in this city, it is isolation. It is loneliness that is separating people from one another. And when you live in isolation, loneliness and darkness, all kind of things can grow that is not positive. But when you step out into the light, when you're opening up your life and share what you are thinking and going through with someone else, then all of a sudden you can receive freedom and you can receive a new chance and you can walk out into something new. Uh, so I think this is one of the biggest robbers in this city. Uh, and when I've been reading articles about this, Sweden is on the fourth place in Europe with most single households. People living by themselves. And I don't say that everyone living by themselves are lonely or isolated. But I, I, I believe it can create isolation and loneliness. Okay, 21% in Sweden are living in their own household. That is on the fourth place in Europe. In Stockholm, it's more than double. It is, when, when I've been reading, 44 to 50% living by themselves. And that can create a lot of loneliness. Okay, so I, I think that is one of the big robbers in this city. And I believe that we as a church have something to say. I believe that our life groups, when we meet in our homes during the week, is super important. Because if you, if you are going to church on Sundays, we have 250 people coming every Sunday on our two services. You, can, you know, maybe no one is missing you if you don't show up. Maybe no one even recognizes you for three months if you don't show up. But in our life groups, when we're meeting few people, 10 people together, someone will call you up and ask, how are you doing? Where are you? I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. And people will care for you. So I believe that we as a church have something to say. And I believe that our life groups is super, super important for, for all of us. Okay. Yes. I said that the title is the Stockholm Syndrome. The Stockholm Syndrome. I, I believe that, that a problem or a challenge or the robber is isolation and loneliness. But if you're not familiar to the, the concept behind the Stockholm Syndrome, it is actually a, a psychological um, um, co concept or term all over the world that is well known. And it comes from 1973 when John Erik Olsson, was robbing a bank on Normalms Torg. He was robbing this bank and he took four people 
four employees on that bank hostage for for six days and he was demanding to have some people released from prison and and, and some different things and uh, but these four people he he he, he locked them into a bank vault and uh, do you say vault bank vault uh, vault thank you vault for for six days and during this time um he he became friend of them okay he, he, had, he had been kidnapping them. He'd been locking them in. But they, be, they became his friends. And they started to have empathy with him. And after when everything was settled and done and they were free. And, and, the go, and, and everyone brought him to court. They refused to testify against him. And they even started to get their money to pay for, for, for his defender. In the court. Isn't that crazy? He'd been kidnapping them. He'd been locking them in, in, into the bank for six days. He'd been threatening the life of them. And now they think he's, he's their friend. Now they're supporting him. Crazy. And this phenomenon is, is known as the Stockholm Syndrome. And this is something that can happen to people. And I believe that many people that is isolated and lonely, they will start to make that their friend isolation and loneliness become their friend and they they feel safe in that loneliness they they, they have no they, they i mean that is their protection they think this is my friend but they have forgot that it's been kidnapping them they forgot that they have been it have been robbing the joy out of them they forgot that their suicidal thought that they have it is actually because they've been withdrawing from people and they are by themselves all the time they forget that the addiction that they are fighting it is actually because they have never been honest with someone what's going on in their heart and they are now struggling and they're holding on to isolation and loneliness because they're afraid of the light they're afraid of people coming close to them because if people are close they will know what is going on in here so they are they are a friend of the kidnapper but i believe that if you're struggling with that in here today we are going to break that and you can receive freedom it is written like this yes come on it is written like this in John 8 and 36 that so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 is written that now the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. Loneliness, isolation is not your friend. But Jesus is your friend. People are your friend. You need family. And you might say, no, my, my family, I lost them a long time. Yeah, but then you can have a new family. This can be your family. You can have people that is go coming close to you. So you will have someone to call. If you are laying down there, you know, beaten up by something with a lot of scars, then you have someone to contact and say, please help me up again. Can we stand up on our feet? You have been listening to a podcast from SOS Church Stockholm. If you want to know more about the church or have information about our Bible school and leadership academy, go online to soschurch.se. We hope to see you soon at a celebration here in Stockholm or at one of our daughter's churches in Gothenburg or Malmö. Have a wonderful week.